Hey, I'm Jonathan Alexander. I'm Ron Brown. I'm Trent Little. I'm Aaron Saunders. And you listen to HBCU Voice. special guest today, uh, the former quarterback at uh, North Carolina Central and Bowie State University. We called him uh, Goggins the God. <laughs> That's what the campus echo for. <laughs> well, hey, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing be here with you guys. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. Now, uh, you, spent a lot, you spent a lot of years playing football in, uh, in college, of course, at North Carolina Central and uh, Bowie State. And prior to that, you were, uh, you were in JUCO. Like, what was your best memory? Like, what do you like now that you're out of college and you're looking back at it? What is, what's the first memory that pops in your head? Um, well, I mean, about this past year when I was playing at Bowie, um, we had a really good group of guys, and you know, we we're real successful. So that really kind of sticks out. Um, and then another one would probably be whenever you know, just signing and fulfilling a dream of playing Division One. When I did sign it and went to play at Central. Um, I know that first game was something I will always remember, really. And also, um, like, I guess recently we've, like, we've talked about money games, of course, because right now, I mean, at the beginning of the college season, that's what you see. You see the smaller schools going to the, uh, the bigger FPS, FPS program to get, dis- to get demolished, and then, of course, they get a paycheck. Now, I remember when you, uh, you actually played for Central, played at Duke. Like, how did you feel about – like, how did you feel once you hit the field? I mean, I mean, we're all Division One schools. Um, you know, the different levels of support is more off the field, and of course, there's less money for you know scholarships. So there's going to be a depth issue. Um, as a player, you kind of know that. Um, I felt if we were to do a seven on seven or something like that, skill wise, we could compete with you know teams like a Duke because you are going to get a couple of good skill guys and we did have quite a few but the depth up front just like you see you know Alabama beating uh, USC because they're still you know recovering from those sanctions they had um, you know that a lot of the on-field football stuff really is happening up front so if you have depth and, and size and strength and speed on your defense and offensive lines it's difficult to uh, really compete at those levels um, I mean, as a player, you got to want to compete. You know what I mean? You look at, I mean, North Dakota State just beat Iowa. They beat teams all the time. So, you know, you don't run. Otherwise, you got no chance. So, Thank you, man. I feel that's to tell them that athletes feel different, man. Like, I, like we've had this debate for the while. Like, okay. T- tell is- who? You mean tell John that, tell right? That's whoever. Wait, wait a minute. Let me ask. Let me ask. So, so that's a question y'all definitely want to play. I mean, a game y'all definitely want to play, right? You talking about Central and Duke? Like, like if you if you on a on a um a FCS team and uh, you playing an FBS team, that's a game that you definitely want to play. You break up. You break As aspirations up. of playing at a higher level too, so. If you can go and play real well and show out against the FBS team, and you're at a small school, and you look at Ryan, he played, he played great when we played Duke, and I mean, he definitely ended up getting drafted. Like something that um, 
you know, I put them on radar, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, as an athlete, as a competitor, you always want to play the best of the best just to see where you match up, you know what I mean, regardless of what level you're at. Yeah. Well, what you said with depth is, is interesting because we were – I was talking one time, I think it was maybe a couple years ago or a year ago, we were talking to Fox. What's Fox's uh, name, Aaron? Rashad Fox. Yeah, yeah, Rashad Fox. And uh, I, I remember we just asking him, I was like, you know, at first y'all were doing good against Duke when y'all when y'all were playing them, and then all of a sudden, you know, you just start losing and they start picking up. And then what he said was, you know, it's all good when you have that first string that could keep up with them. Say they having a bad game, you having a good game, and y'all keeping up. But once they start throwing those boys in who just as good as you, them second string, them third string boys, as just good as you, and your your second string can't really match them. I mean, it just uh, goes Matt, on from there. Matt so. said it best, though, man. The trenches—that's the difference. The trenches, the trenches, the trenches. But the depth, and, though. I mean, what what I'm saying. I is, mean, the depth. The depth matters. Sense. But like when you look at the game where Desmond Scott had the big game, uh, what was that? 2009 against North Carolina Central. Man, that was trench depth because when he comes in. There's nothing to stop him up front. Your linebackers not feeling it the same way they were in the first quarter, but that's because they get them guards in that center is getting on them. They pounding them for that first and second quarter, man. It's that trench depth is is a killer, man. Like Matt said, your skill players might be able to hang, but that depth in the inside in the trenches, no way. That's it. Any SEC program, I mean, you see, you see that with like I'm, I always use the example of Appalachian State just because they they were that small school and they're trying to become that this mid tier school. But even they, like even their front four and front line, they can't match up with uh, Miami, who just actually came to Boone and blew my uh, blew Appalachian State out, or even the Tennessee. They hung. Yeah. Well, well, perfect example for this conversation. I wanted to ask Matt what he what he thought about South Carolina State and Clemson. And then South, they they cutting the game short. What do you think about that whole situation? Oh, I I actually didn't know they did. Um, I mean, I understand it from both sides. You know what I mean. The the goal of the coaching wise is you want to get in and get some experience and you know come out healthy. Um, and that can also be a factor with the fatigue thing and the depth thing too, because he's going to have you know five, six maybe of guys that are on scholarships on a defensive line when you got, you know, two, three deep for South Carolina State. And then you got to think of travel rosters too. If you get, you know, if uh, I don't know, I think FCS gets around 65 to 70 scholarships if that school chooses to use all of those. Um, and then you can only travel, <clears throat> it's around 65 or so. So you got to think of depth from the travel roster size, um, and, and you got to think about your future games, really, for both. Because I mean, if uh, Watson gets hurt, still playing in that game, on you know, if he just rolls the ankle, it's, if it's not even a contact thing, you know, everybody's going to be asking Dabo what the hell he was thinking. You know what I mean? Um, and then same goes for South Carolina State. I'm sure they're thinking, well, we got a whole MIAC conference schedule to go through, and and, and they, they're worried about that too. So there's a little bit of off-the-field stuff that kind of goes into it. But it's really, I mean, at a certain point, you know, the game is kind of over there. But, I mean, you just got to 
everyone made their money, you know what I mean, that, that cared about it. So I'm sure they weren't too stressed about, um, you know, cutting it short. Yeah. And, and just for those of you who don't know, I was talking about Clemson played South Carolina State Saturday, and I think they were down 59-0 to zero at halftime, and they decided 48, to – 48-0. 48-0 at halftime. And uh, they decided to uh, shorten the quarters, each quarter by three minutes. So that's just what I was referencing. Um, but one of the other questions I had to ask you was, is I'm always interested to know, um, what is it like being a white guy at HBCU? <laughs> Straight I know, up. I know, you, I know you get that question. I know you get oh, that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, I still get it every once in a while. Um, even for some of my kids now that I'm coaching, you know, they're like, oh, you played at Central? How was that? But, um, I mean, I, I – you know, I I have a little bit different outlook on things just coming from California um, where, I mean, I went to junior college and, you know, we lived in a smaller house, but I had four kids from Miami, Florida, or not Miami, Florida, excuse me. Um, four of them were from uh, Fort Lauderdale, you know, first generation Haitian kids, gold teeth and grills and, and dreads and all that stuff but we all live together and um you know it's something that it, it's not so much racial it was just you know a little outdated and oh it's the white boy at the the black school I guess um you know I had a good time I got my education I, I played football division one and and made a lot of really good friends from there I had a great time with it you know what I mean I had my I had my fun on and off the field, so. Now, did you have any clues? I, I, I enjoyed it. Oh, my, my fault. Did you have any clues about HBCUs prior to you, um, I guess, coming to Central and when you were uh, in California? Slightly. You know, you later, whenever they play that, the Southern and Grambling game that's on, um, you know, you kind of catch that, but it's just kind of you're just watching like, okay, these are two FCS schools and they're black schools. I didn't really – knowledge of you know history depth and all that stuff and um I mean I it was actually funny I actually turned down a scholarship to Alabama State after my freshman year of junior college um assuming that I would have a better one because at the junior college I was at or actually third string the kid that was behind me received the full ride in the spring to Louisiana Tech so you know, it's a little bit of a meat market and you kind of gamble on yourself sometimes. But, uh, you know, I hadn't done too much research into it. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I didn't know a ton, but I mean, I knew it was Division One football. Um, I knew it was a, a full scholarship and I knew I was going to get an education and be yeah. able to play a high level of football. Well, I think it's a, a misconception. A lot of people who don't go to HBCUs think white people don't go to HBCUs. So, um, mm-hmm. Did you happen to get anybody to question you before you made that decision? Like, you know, why are you going to HBCU? Did anybody question you about that? No, because I think, um, you know, the athletics part of it plays a factor, and people understand that. You know what I mean? Um, you got that's a full ride Division One school. If you do, if you don't put a name on it, and I and I offer you a full ride scholarship to a Division One football school at the position you want to play um and that's you know going from paying your junior college 
credits to, you know, having a meal plan in a house and, you know, a division one setup, then, you know, most people would say yes to wherever they're going. You know I mean? Yeah. Some people, some people, I, I know a lot of the, a lot of people don't want to, they don't want to travel a certain area. You know, some guys, some kids like to stay closer to home. Some of them want to get away from home. Um, and some of us just don't care. You know, we just want to go play ball. But um, some, you know, I said the person that questioned me the most was my mother because she didn't want me to live across the country. But it wasn't because it was a HBCU, you know. One thing I am interested in, just because you don't, I mean, of course, the tra- junior college isn't the traditional route. So how was that experience of, of, of like, of course, going to Duco uh, and also now, now that you're coming about that experience also? Um, well, um, I think a lot of people don't realize when, when they, you know, hear the junior college thing. I think that the Netflix series, That Last Chance You, has done a lot to kind of open up the world to how it's kind of run. Um, but even that's a little bit, you know, clearly it's censored a little bit to to make storylines out of some stuff. But, um, I mean, you as a, <clears throat> as a player, especially in California, you have to grow up a lot. Um, you know, I think people underestimate the difficulty of, um, you know, not only are you out of high school, so you're not on a – a strict schedule of you go to first period, second period, third period, and so on. And then practice, you go to college where, um, you know, you're, you're doing all the things you have to do. And then you got to pretty much live on your own too. Um, I know that was a big adjustment for me where, you know, I didn't have, we didn't have meal plans in California. So I got to go grocery shop and I got to make my money last and I got to, night or have something to chew on and then um, still be able to have enough energy to go to practice and class and do all that stuff and not have every second of the day you know what I mean that's that's a big adjustment um, in junior college that's usually how a lot of guys fall out is just time management stuff just like many other you know regular students they got to be able to adjust and, and be able to manage their time in that way you know a lot of you know go to class or don't go to class, don't, you know, make it to practice on time or make it to weights. You know what I mean? There's a lot of different little factors that go into that in junior college. Um, we'll weed out people that aren't really dedicated and, and want to do that. You know what I mean? Of course, you you got to North Carolina Central in 2012. Uh, kind of detail your experiences there. And then what was the uh, move after North Carolina Central going to Bowie State and how was that experience? Um. Well, I mean, both of them were pleasant. Um, you know, I, I took a visit. I was a mid-year transfer. Uh, only reason I really went to junior college was because of a knee injury. Um, you know, got a call late in the process from, from the offensive corner there at the time, Mike Bryant. Um, you know, we talked some football on the phone, and then he, he said, hey, it's a Division One school. Um, you know, they ran, we, when I was there, we ran a more pro-style system than what they do now. Um, and, you know, it was an opportunity to go play and, you know, have free schooling, which is huge, really. You know, I, I probably had the worst, quickest visit ever. I, uh, they flew me out there. It's winter break. No one's on campus. It was about 35 degrees. <laughs> it's about 35 degrees. 
Um, you know, I, I got in there. I got in there. They, they sat me down up in the, uh, the gym, you know, give the whole spiel, drove me around, well, walked me around campus, but I was California. I don't think of your coat, so I was freezing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> say what now? They could at least treat you like Jesus Shuttleworth. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody was on. You know, everybody's on a winter break. Shoot, the weekend, everybody no, leaves. Nobody did. Yeah, nobody yeah, no, I mean, this was, I mean, this was, I'm trying to think when I took my visit. I think it was, it was right before New Year's. So, I mean, no one was on campus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I got to walk around. I got to see it. And, I'm, you know, I, they didn't show me the locker room or anything like that because I, I don't know if I would have came back if they did. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time, yeah. Anybody yeah, seen that? Yeah, that's anybody time. seen the one under the stadium? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a little, it's a little rough. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, I – I uh, like I said, I was looking more at the opportunity, um, you know, degree, um, football and all that. That that kind of overweighs some of the negative, not the negative, but the, you know, everyone wants to go to the Dukes, North Carolinas, USC's, Alabama's, but I mean, it's a business really when it comes down to it. college football is a business. You know, I made a business decision and went with Central. So that first year was – so second semester 2012, which is when uh, I think me and Aaron graduated. And so, you know, spring practice, heading to that season, I know you uh, you won the job. You're going up against Jordan Reed, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, Jordan and, you, and Quentin at the time, yeah. Yeah, Quentin Atkinson. Uh, so what was that experience like? Not, not Atkinson. I mean, Atkinson, Quentin, but uh, Rucker. I can't remember his last name. Quentin Rucker, Rucker yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rucker. Oh, the yeah. one that transferred to Shaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was pretty bad at Shaw, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it was you know it's competition. I um, you know, part of my deal was at junior college. I had um, when I first got down to, I started at one school, left whenever my roommates left. I didn't have you know I wasn't I was three hours from home. Then I went down to a closer one in Fullerton, which was. Um, I had family down there, so I could kind of live with them if I needed to. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I got in there and, and learned the offense. Um, it was something similar to what I had done at junior college where, you know, you're calling out mics and you're adjusting line protection. It was a little bit denser playbook than what you're used to just because, I mean, at junior college you got basically different kids almost every week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just got in there and embraced it and, I know I always had a passion for the game behind the game, not just the players, but the schemes behind it. So something that, you know, helped me be in a mid-year transfer to get in there and get in there and play. And that that style of offense fit me pretty well, where I was a bit able to adjust stuff and, and um, you know, put people in position to be successful. Um, so spring ball went real well. Um I mean, I still had a – I had a knee issue in that summer, which I probably should have got fixed then. It was a later surgery that I had. But, uh, you know, just pushed through it and, and look forward to the the regular season, really, when it came around. 
that first year we traveled on the bus. I mean, we played in Indianapolis, Savannah, played in Baltimore. We played in Florida. We played twice. So, I mean, and those are long. And we didn't fly anywhere. I don't, I don't even know if Central knows how to fly. Um, but uh, Yeah, I can only remember two I mean, flights. We, yeah. <laughs> That's it. I understand why you why you call yeah. it a business now. Like, do you um? I guess do you use that experience with your with your players now? Like being a coach, on what position? I mean, what are, are you a position coach? And if so, what position? I'm guessing quarterback. Yeah, yeah I do quarterbacks and running backs. I'm, we're a just like we're an underfunded junior college, private uh, junior college. Um, you know, I've, I haven't been too far removed from a player, so I kind of understand the stresses of it. Especially, I mean, it's it's a little bit different when you have, you know, juniors and seniors around to kind of lead the way with the guys. But, you know, um, our guys can kind of get overwhelmed when they have, you know, a paper due, you know, once a week or whatever. And uh, they got practice and classes to get to. And, you know, everyone's still trying to figure out how to manage time. And that was that's the biggest thing is I always kind of – um, I wasn't too bad with managing time. Um, you know, I was able to get what I needed done done in a semi-timely manner. And, uh, you know, a lot of kids that I've run into or the kids that had issues were the ones that wouldn't ask for help. You know what I mean? There's People will help you if you ask, but uh, sometimes, you know, kids think they just got to do it all by themselves. There's no one there to support you, whether it be a a classmate with notes or anything or, or something like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I try to make sure the kids are mentally in it beyond just, you know, physically there. Cause kids do get into a, a habit of just kind of rolling through whatever their normal um, routine is. And then kind of just sleepwalk it, sleepwalk a day. Yeah. I know you said you enjoyed the, um, I guess the game behind the game, which I mean that it it, it shows why you would be a, a quarterback coach, and that's one thing I did enjoy about like we had this argument all the time, like the the Reed versus <laughs> versus Goggins argument, and I would always say you were the more quarterback. Of course, you didn't have you weren't as athletic. Or, Look, hey, you're not asking the right questions. Get to the point. Look, whatever. whatever. Hey, Matt, do you do you feel like? They went away from you too soon at North Carolina Central. Get to the point, Trent. Stop no. around the bush. No, I mean I, 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 I played okay against uh, Fayetteville State. I played horrible against Elon, and then um, you know it looked it, it. We weren't very crisp early against um, Duke, and I mean that was that's on me as a quarterback. Kind of got a. I mean, you're just like a quarterback. You're the, the the manager at whatever or whatever business or, or, you know, if you're you're the editor at the newspaper, you got to make sure stuff is on time and you got to make sure everyone else is doing everything right. And I wasn't handling my job. And, uh, you know, Jordan came in and, and did what he was supposed to do. So, I mean, he, you know, coach's job is not to be loyal. It's to, you know, get the player in the position to make plays. If one player is not making plays, you got to go with the next guy or whoever is making those plays. And that was always well communicated with us, with Coach Frazier and that staff that, man, they don't care if you were on money or not. If you're making plays, you're going to be on the field. 
days, you better look out because someone's going to take your spot. And I wasn't making plays. So, I mean, um, I would say the issue with me with the lack of mobility, I mean, my 40 was about forever. So I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get away from any play. Yeah, that's, that's the see, they didn't, they didn't use the talents right, man. You were, you were Peyton Manning back there, and they wanted somebody that could – that could be well. Yeah. Hey, not not so, wanted, needed because that offensive line. Yeah, yeah. Backing up oh, line. oh yeah, that offense. I remember that offensive line. <laughs> that, that offensive line was a little shaky. Not Sorry necessarily wanted Vic. Might have needed Vic back there for that offensive line. My God. Well, no, nah, I mean the, they were they were actually okay. Uh, <laughs> it's the same thing though. I mean, you, you know, you, we had a lot of young guys. Just like the they're real successful right now because we had a lot of young guys and, and that offensive line that's was most of their last two years and uh, pieces of them this year, they were all young guys and they were maturing. And just like when I stepped in there, we had Charles, the left tackle. Um, we had Joey Hutchett, like left guard. And he was a dang tight end in the spring. Right. You know what I mean? He's tight end his freshman year, I think. First <laughs> <there>. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, and that's another difficulty of, of FCS football. And it's even tougher at HBCU because – I mean, the facilities were not that great. So it's just recruiting-wise, it's difficult. You got to kind of sell it on, um, you know, a football staff and their ability to know where they can get a kid that will come to that uh, program. Um, so, I mean, that you know, it's not easy recruiting good offensive linemen to a, a HBCU just because there's not a lot – there's not a lot of good offensive linemen out there really. Oh, wow. Got it. It's there's there's some there's good ones. Body. Like you look at the pros, Space there's fillers. some good ones, and then there's just guys that are supposed to do. You know what I mean? And just try not to make a big mistake, really. And that's so we, almost at any position. So we kind of talked about your, uh, you know, your time at North Carolina Central. Your second year there, 2013, is when you had the injury. You didn't play that year, right? It well, I had. I had injured – I injured my knee in high school. I blew my knee completely out. Um, so I sat out a year. Then I did my – I did play – I did two seasons at Fullerton College, and then I transferred to Central, went through that spring. Right. Um, and it, it, it really – the issue was I had cartilage. Um, I had a meniscus and an ACL and, uh, you know, cartilage issue where the – basically was like bone on bone. So – you know, that same workout regimen where you're squatting, lifting, running, right. um, you know, every day kind of took a toll on my knee a little bit where I was getting a lot of strain on it. Um, I got an injection on it in the summer, you know, didn't work out for about half a week um, and then kind of got back into it. But it was kind of bothering me. And part of it was because I didn't rehab it correctly. Um, when I did my rehab out of high school, I was, I mean, I'm from a small town in Northern California rehab with you know 65 year old women and men that had hip replacements or knee replacements you know i mean i wasn't stability like i did when i had the surgery at duke from central you know i mean to rehab it properly and and get that full range of motion which i I didn't get the first surgery so um there was a lot of grinding and stuff that that in the knee joint that was causing it to be painful to do anything on really. Um, but I mean, I just, 
it, it was more of an aching pain than a sharp pain. So you kind of just grit your teeth and go through it. You know what I mean? You want to go play and compete. And, um, you know, you don't you, – I think Tom Brady is the best one about it, but he always talks about it. He doesn't want anybody taking his reps, you know, whether it be practice or anything like that. And I think any good competitor is just like that. They don't want anyone else trying to do their job because they may do it better than them. You know what I mean? So you kind of just – push through it and that's kind of what I was trying to do right so you you ended up at Bowie State so you graduated would you graduate wait, and I was wait, a graduate wait, wait one second one second ahead, before John. you moved to Bowie State I just, and, and you can ask that after I ask this question you were there um during the time Frazier got fired right yeah I, I got there in the spring of 2012 right um and I was and that's when he first got suspended for the whatever happened off the field and then um, they brought him back, um, and then they fired him about a week or two before the the 2013 season. But I had already I had already got my knee surgery. I was I did it. I I went through and finally got it fixed. Um, right so after my question is, was it like my question is, was it like being on the team under that that type of atmosphere? Your coach gets suspended. You hearing all these rumors. What is that like? Um, I mean, we, it's not, I mean, you just kind of got to do what you got to do. It's just like, if you're, you know, you could probably ask the same thing if you're working at, um, you know, if you ask a worker that was working at Enron, you know what I mean? Doing their job is they didn't, it's kind of above them. You know what I mean? That's not, it's not our business to worry about. We just kind of go out and play the game. And that staff did a wonderful job of of managing and holding, you know, whatever was it. Well, the issue with Coach Frazier was more administrative down issue than it was, you know, with anybody on the team. It is frustrating, and I'm sure it was difficult to recruit. You know, it hurt recruiting um, for that staff, I'm sure, because they knew um, they were probably out of there once they fired Coach Frazier. You know what I mean? So it was kind of a – messed up situation for them, that staff and the recruits that were getting looked at from there. But before before you all go to Bowie State, I, I don't know if uh, uh, you had heard it before, but there were rumors about Coach Frazier taking a Shaw job this summer um, to coach football. Uh, do you think that he'll ever come mm-hmm. back and coach football, college football again? Um, do I think he will? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean that's kind of I don't know. If I, I think he can. I think he he should be able to. Um, I, he was a wonderful coach and and has proven that he knows how to to really build programs. Um, you know, part of Central's recent success is is because a lot of those players are holdovers. You know what I mean? Um, and you know, I think he's done everything that he's supposed to. I know. You know, whatever the league – I don't know. I haven't followed his cases or anything like that. But I know, you know, it's not like he's a felon or anything now. Um, and I don't know the whole off-the-field story. I wasn't there for it. So, I, you know, I don't I don't know what, what his feelings are. I know he – I used to see him at the Bowie games, and he's still enthusiastic about football and loves football. But I know – I think he's actually a, a high school AD backup of Maryland right now. 
Uh, uh he just left, just left. So he, he left that job, but he was, yes, at Bladensburg High School. Not anymore though. Yep, just left. Oh, uh, did he? Okay. Well, I mean he may I mean he might be back in the game. Who knows? I mean I hope so. He's uh like I said, he's a good coach. Um and he knows what he's doing. We'll go on a short break, but we'll be back in a little while to hear more from Matt Goggins. The News and Observer has a new website specifically tailored for you. It's called College Town, and it's news by the students for the students at Duke UNC NC State in North Carolina Central. They give readers the news that's most interesting and useful to them, tailored to their school. Student freelancers from each university write stories, shoot photos and video, and run social media accounts for College Town. That way, readers know they're truly getting an inside look at their college. So if you're interested to get involved, contact Presley. I would say her last name, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Her email address is pbaird at newsobserver.com. You might want to write a story, you might want to take some photos or do a video about it. Talk to them. They're all ears. Hey, everyone. This is Aaron Saunders from HBCU Voice. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud, and to rate us five stars on iTunes. I remember, I think it was last year sometime, I texted the fellas. I was like, yo, Matt Goggins at Bowie State, and he's balling, man. You had, what, like four 300-plus yard games, and, and so five games, uh, after you play five games, you're ruled ineligible. Uh, I'm yeah. sure that was a big blow to you. Of course, it was a surprise to to CIAA and nationally because of, you know, the, the way you all were playing. Could you break that situation down to us a little bit for the listeners? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we we just got done playing Johnson C. Smith in the hurricane. Um, we eked out a win against them. That was, that was a tough team. Called in that Monday and said, hey, uh, you know, there was some paperwork issues and, and you're going to be ineligible, basically. Um, and, you know, I was asked, you know, did I know if anything was going on up there and, and what happened about it? Um, you know, I a lot of the, the reason I was ruled ineligible was basically because of a typo by North Carolina Central when I transferred the official uh, tracer paperwork was put that I had two years of eligibility left instead of one. Um, and of course that, you know, that I, that made me assume that I got 2012 back um, as a medical um, and all of that stuff's not handled by coaches or, or players or anything that you can't file as a player for a medical hardship waiver, you have to have the medical staff at a school apply for that. So um, when I found that out, you know, I was just like, okay, well, you know, I guess I can do the best I can to support the guys that are, that are able to play and, and kind of stepped in the, I guess that would be my first coaching role really of trying to support and, and help the guys that were filling in for my, for me to, uh, try to play up to the level I was playing at at that time. All right, yeah. So after that strong started, of course, they uh, lost in the CIAA championship but received an at-large uh, berth. 
to make the uh, playoffs. So I guess the season still kept going well, despite you being ruled ineligible and everything. I know that that has to hurt just because that was the end of your foot. Like, of course, you you were just this podcast. You've been talking about just your long um, football career and just to end your career like that. I mean, it had it had to hurt. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you know, it was frustrating, um, especially after the year I was having. You know, what I mean, I, I think I still finished like third in passing yards or something in that conference, and uh, it was tough. Um, but I mean, like I said, you just kind of build a bridge and get over it. You know what I mean? I, I've never been one to, I mean, I've been through two knee surgeries. Um, and you know, just, you kind of, people can dwell on those issues or you can kind of just, all right, what can I do to get better? What can I do to help someone? Um, at that point it was, what can I do to help the team? Um, cause I didn't want my absence to be something that hindered what was a really, really, really good football team, which is, I mean, you could see that they still went undefeated in that Northern conference um, and they were beating teams pretty handily still. Um, and then you look at them this year, I think they've played, you know, they've had some close games, but uh, I mean, there's, there's some talented guys there um, and there were still going to be talented guys there, even if I wasn't playing. Great, great. Yeah. I don't want to hold you too much longer, so I'll ask you my final question. I know now that you are a coach, we were actually talking about this topic um, earlier before you joined the show. And with your with your, your home team, your hometown team, basically, the 49ers, and just how Colin Kaepernick has, has dealt with uh, um, his protests for the uh, national anthem, with you being a coach, like, have you experienced your coach, I mean, experienced your players? kneel or have a protest during the national anthem and if so like how would you deal with that um you know i it's coming from um and i also have knowing your rights and that's part of his right you know um that he he feels that him taking a kneel during the national anthem is a way to for him to raise awareness for what was he saying? Police? It was it police brutality? Is that what? That was his main thing. That was the main one. Um, I mean, it, it, I think he's he's done what he's intended to do, which is is to draw attention to a cause that he cares about. Um, you know, I would. I haven't had to deal with it. Um, you know, all my kids they understand what's going on with him and how he feels about it, and uh, you know that is part of. I guess in society now is, you know, you get on a guy for not being a bigger voice for social issues when, um, and then you get on him when he is a voice for social issues, you know what I mean? That, that wants to make a difference. Um, you know, it's, it's tough because if you break it down to the bare minimum, they're just going to work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, do you, you know, you don't – there is no national anthem when you go into work, right? I mean, you just kind of you, – you don't roll in the office and you got to stand <laughs> for the national anthem, you know what I mean? You just kind of roll in and punch and then go. Um, so athletics and you know, sports in general is a little bit different. Um, there is a different view on how we portray athletes especially. Um, but, you know, that's – what he wants to do, and he's done a good job of of, of it. Um, 
and you know some people have their feelings about it but you know I think you know I appreciate what he's doing and his purpose of it you know what I mean it's not like he's just doing it um to draw attention to himself I don't think that's anywhere close to what he is attempting to do and uh meet Colin because in high school I was getting recruited by Nevada um, before that whole knee injury. And that's where I was actually committed to. Wow. You know, I, I, he's not, he's not a dumb guy. You know what I mean? He knows what he's doing. He knows the impact of what he's doing. I think the biggest part with him is, you know, he's doing it and he's not competing or playing at before, you know what I mean? Some people mistake um, off the field issues, which is what he's talking about. And then they say, well, you're not even throwing the ball really well, which isn't the point, you know what I mean? That's his, they're using that against his credit. Um, right, and that's not right because really as long as you – you know, I've always been kind of taught from parents to teachers that if you have a legitimate debate, you should have, you know – facts or something to point to and he, and he feels that he does so he you know took a need to to prove it and to, to raise awareness for it Goggins just thank you for uh thank you for coming and well thank you for joining the podcast I want like this was I've been trying to get this for a while man so just thank you thank you for sharing your story yeah appreciate it man what I'm re- but let me ask you this question though before before you head out do you think athletes should be paid it's tough. Um, I think they, they deserve it because if you look down, um, you know, are they employees to a certain point? Yes. Um, you know, then the debate is, well, okay, well, we're paying you with the scholarship. Yeah, but you can't get anything past the scholarship. I know when I was at Central, I don't know this is, if this was right or not, but I know my scholarship out of state was for 30000 or something like that, right? And then I look at my bill at the end of the year and it says and everything's paid for for twenty eight thousand. So I'm going, Well, where's my two thousand? I signed for it's a contract, right? Mm-hmm. But they're like, Oh no, you're on full scholarship. Campus, you can't get that money because that would be uh, a breaking violation. I'm going, then why then why did I sign for thirty thousand? Why not the paper say or twenty eight or whatever it is? Um and, you know, it's just little, like, there's little stuff like that, that, you know, could could the extra 2000 help me, you know, get food or workout uh, gear or whatever else I needed, um, or just, you know, peace of mind, really. You got to think a lot of the student athletes come from, a majority of them, especially in football, come from low backgrounds, so they're not, you know, they're trying to play their game and go to class and do all the things they need. But they also got a family back home that's not doing so great. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Or even a kid. Right, right. And, it, and it's it's the whole debate, you know. Um, are, by the law, they're, they're grown-ups. You know what I mean? They're adults. Um, but we all look at them as kids, which to a certain point they are. I mean – you know, you, when is someone really an adult? You know, I mean, uh, you can't really judge it by age per se. But um, do I think the players deserve more? And um, you know, healthcare stuff, um, you know, compensation stuff like that. 
yeah, probably. I mean, the way, you know, it's, it's the sports business. It's the biggest entertainment in the country. You know what I mean? The college football is a huge revenue. Um, I understand the smaller schools though, you know, they got to pay for, you know, that Duke games probably help them pay for the softball and volleyball and bowling and all that other, the non-revenue generating sports. So, you know, it is slightly skewed and, well, how do you, if you pay one, you got to pay the other because of Title IX and all the other stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I'm sure there's doubt, but, you know, I do think the athletes in general as a whole, not just football, basketball, but, you know, all athletes do deserve some type of – whether it be, you know, receiving a couple extra thousand at your graduation or whatever, you know what I mean, your post – um, eligibility days are over and you get, you know, that extra 2000 that I didn't, I didn't get because I was a, a student athlete, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. It, it would help, you know what I mean? And, and a lot of these kids don't go pro, you know what I mean? And a lot, I know a lot of kids didn't get their degrees, you know, that's partially on them, but that's also the school using them. So. Well, again, man, we appreciate it. Um, we have on our show, please, man. We uh, we hope to get you back on another day, talk some more college. But if we continue to, um, you know, have bigger discussions, we hope to get you back on. Yeah, no problem. I'll, you know I mean, I'm in North Carolina, and you know, just let me know. I'll, I'll be around. Okay, cool. All right, man. Be easy. All right, all right, guys. All right. Have, a, have a good night. Peace. See you guys. Peace. Bye. That was Matt Goggins, former North Carolina Central quarterback, who was also the first white quarterback to start for North Carolina Central. Uh, he's also former Bowie State quarterback, and he is a current coach at Lewisburg Junior College. Glad to have him on the show. We're at the end of our show now. Um, I'm Jonathan Alexander, staff writer for the News Observer. You can follow me on Twitter at J-O-N-M Alexander. Shout out to all my Bowie State people that I know. Steven Marks, member of the football team. Shane and Franny Stevens, also former members of the Bowie State football team. Uh, check my baseball team out. G. James Ghost in middle school. We doing it big. Trying to go out here and get some dubs this year. Maryland Yard Dogs, as always, trying to get dubs. You can follow me on Twitter, Coach AC. Love y'all. And I'm Trent Little. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore T-E-E Little. And thanks, Goggins, again for coming out on the show. And I apologize for getting you in trouble, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Rome has some technical dis- difficulties, um, but you can find Rome at. Uh, do y'all know where you can find Rome? Not right. His computer. At, at romebrown.com. Yeah. At, at romebrown.com. And on Twitter, Rome Brown Jr. On Twitter, Rome Brown. I'm just saying, just type in Rome Brown. Rome, you talk a lot of trash about our mics, but get your computer fixed, bro. Get that internet set up. <laughs>